Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Wanna talk? Yeah, welcome to Norman One Bengal Podcast. We got John Sheeran today. He's yeah, John the Rock Sheeran, the one and only, bringing the, the facts. Yeah, and we, we got, got Hoji the Electric Smoji, bringing the ingredients for greatness. And of course, never forget the Daddy McDook, who technically has to be on the show for us to have the show. And of course, Bridget Jankar, without whom we wouldn't have any human resources that well we really couldn't have the show without Bridget yeah. so it's very that, true that seems more important than anything number one bagel podcast subscribe there we go alright yeah alright cut, cut the band off there you go there we go so new song huh yes sir alright so look Cincinnati Bengals John oh yeah why me? A Cinderella. They, you know what's funny? They called it a Cinderella story. I don't remember Cinderella ending like this. Is the song still playing? It is still playing. It's playing <laughs> in the background somewhere. Well, I think it's going to play throughout the show. I think that's the, the new. Well, we have to charge I... the band per hour. All right. No more songs. I'll get tired. Just testing your hearing. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of you. I did a hearing test. I had to go to the doctor and get a hearing test. And it, we, we found out. I can hear like those types of sounds, but it's like really low bass. Can't hear. Look, guys. Thank you for your compassion. Turn up the bass, yeah, yeah. But are you okay, Bridget? I'm great. Yeah. And Daddio's voice is still very much in the decibel range that I can hear. Yes, he has the voice of a toddler. Right. An evil capitalist toddler. The Cincinnati Bengals, folks. That's what we're here for. They had another heartbreaking loss yeah. to the Dallas Cowboys this time. And really, Joe Burrow has been sacked, what, John? 13 times. times. So seven, 7 plus 6, right? 13, yeah. Yeah. Lucky, lucky number. And he did what he could. You know, he had a, uh, tied the score with his touchdown with four minutes remaining. Once again. Once second again. week in a row. But it wasn't well, he ties enough. the score at the end. Was not and enough. everybody lets him down. And now everybody's like, we got to make some changes. We need some, what, John? Some coaching changes, some schematic yeah. changes. Change the diaper. The offense, the offense, just real quick before John goes, a lot of people are like, hey, we have a top five quarterback, top five receiver. We have receivers that are going to be making $30 million a year pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Two of them. And then we have Tyler Boyd. Who's, who's very good in his own right. Yeah. And then we have, look, Hayden Hurst looks like a, a pretty good receiving Up and coming. option. And then we have Joe Mixon, who runs hard, and he's, he's very good in the passing game. Yeah. And then and our alumni are good. Did you guys see A.J. Green save the game for the uh, Cardinals? Yeah. Oh, that was a beautiful catch. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. John, I mean, it's like, you know, at some point you got to be like, there's got to be a better way to utilize these players. I believe passing them the ball would be the right way. Well, so much has been made about making adjustments. That I feel like we're glossing over the fact that they aren't even doing their base stuff effectively. And I don't like saying cliche stuff like this, but I mean, they're incredibly inconsistent with just execution. And I know there's not a lot of 
context or meat on the bone with that, but there's just blocks that are being missed. There's just reads that are being missed. There's not enough spacing in some of these routes, and it feels like we've been talking about some of these exact same things for for years now. But it kind of just all piles up into one conglomerated mess, and you want to just point fingers at the offensive line. You want to point fingers at Zach Taylor. You want to point fingers at the coaching and technique that's being taught. Yeah, some which of these fingers? guys. Well, it doesn't really matter what finger. Like, it okay. just Jamar, matters what the, direction. The fingers Jamar showed. Okay. Like, the, the fingers just pointed at the team right now. Like, I Because on Village Island, the thumb was the middle finger. Go ahead, sorry. There's nothing, there's no singular issue here aside from, I guess, if you can just boil it down to just coaching. And even still, like, talent at this level should be able to trump just gross ineffectiveness in that regard. But maybe it is a systemic issue within that team that they can't overcome what is happening right now like yeah sure like play calling was just not good like there's no way to really go around that right now and that and i don't think it, it's almost like they're trying to do different things for the sake of trying to do different things like we're seeing more runs after shotgun we're seeing more just drop back passing and the, that's trying to go away from their traditional tendencies but you still need to put guys in positions to succeed you still yes. need to be able to do things to beat the defenses that you're currently facing and the yes. defenses are just doing the same thing week after week and you're not able to do it like the first half alone they didn't have a, a single successful run they were like negative 0.5 epa per run on like the five or six runs that they had and they were down for the most of the first half because you know the, the defense kind of got steamrolled there so they were passing a lot and they still couldn't figure out a way to get you know targets over the middle of the field joe burrow is not passing well in the intermediate and deep center, center parts of the field. And that's the area that you need to attack against cover two defenses. And I know that in, in Tampa too, you, t you have the Mike linebacker dropping back into the deep center, but that opens up the exact middle of the field. And that's where they need to, that's where they need to go. That's where they need those in-breaking routes. They need those slant flag concepts to yeah. just attack that part of the field because they can't go to the boundaries right now yeah. with safety's clogging that up. John, John, you just saw on screen Ace Boogie's uh, his um, poll, what's the bigger problem, coaching or offensive line? Now, I realize both are not great. Let, now, let's replace coaching with play calling. Let's focus on play calling. Which one, if you had to fix one first, would it be the play calling or would it be something to do with the offensive line? John. Like, I mean, I think the play calling is the bigger issue because you don't really have as much confidence that that's going to get fixed because... With the offensive line, at least you know that there's talent there. And after a certain part, port, part of the season, as time goes on, they gel together. They just play up to their level. And hopefully the coaching isn't too bad. Like, I feel like, you know, we haven't really talked a lot about Frank Pollock, and maybe he's not getting the most out of his players right now. But then there's the whole argument of how much does an offensive line coach actually involve, like, teaching technique and those, yeah. and those types of things. But it, it does seem like they're just not getting – as much as they could out of these guys. And maybe that's just because they're underperforming. They haven't really practiced that yeah. much altogether. But there's a lot of individual reps being lost on the offensive line, and, that, and that's unavoidable right now, and it needs to get fixed as soon as possible. So uh, to, to summarize, play calling is easier to fix in the short term. Okay, fine. To what degree is Joe Burrow to blame? As Can I, I want to ask calling. a question, though. I want to I yeah, talk a little bit. Is it so I was going back and forth. Is it play calling or is it even before that? Like, do the Bengals have what they need in the playbook? Because play writing. It, it play yeah. design. Yeah. Because one of the things that I yeah. think we saw with both Dallas and Pittsburgh, like they came out ready for 
everything we were dishing up. And what it looks like we want to dish up is everything that we played last season. And right, isn't the the off season is when you watch the film of the other teams, see what they did, and then figure out what you're going to cook up to combat that. And so my curiosity is, were we resting on our laurels saying, okay, we, you know, Joe has Jamar down there somewhere. We're going to kind of rely on those long passes. Now Joe's facing a lot of cover two defense. Do we need to like go back in the lab and cook something up in terms of what's in the playbook? Is it less about even the play calling and more like how do we transform this team from who they were in 2021, which worked, but now you got to elevate. You got to go to the next level. I I just want to butt in real quick, John. I had that feeling too while I was watching the game. To me, it looked like they have Joe Burrow figured out, John. To Bridget's point, like last year, they really thrived off of wide zone action in the run game and just beating single high defenses with, you know, vertical routes on the boundary. Now you can't do that against teams that are playing two safeties back and against light boxes. Like in a Tampa two cover two type of defense, you typically have seven guys back in coverage and just four down linemen that gives your offensive line chances to create movement and give your running back a chance to do something. And you know, the whole thing is, oh, once you get the run, running game started, you can get the play action or passing game started, even if that's not technically Wait, true. Because it's not technically true. Because it's not true. Data. That's old football. That's 90s football. But even still, like, you can't be bad running the football and expect to be a consistently good offense. You still need success there. Yeah. And that mainly falls on the offensive line and also Joe Mixon actually breaking more than two tackles per game. But, but Joe I, was good. Yeah, that's true. So, like, they don't have a ton of experience um, ha- having success against this type of coverage and that's what they just need to continue hammering in in practice like they need those in-breaking routes to be successful they need more spacing on them and if that requires them trying new things i think that should be what they do but i I think they are in right now it's sort of a shift offensively in the run game their splits between wide zone or just zone and gap schemes in general is, is a lot more even than it has been in years past even though frank pollock is more of a wide zone guy. So I feel like that's recognition of where their strengths are with the offensive line. And that could help rejuvenize the running game to that extent, but it still falls on the passing game and the the timing with those routes and them coming open and then Burrow having trust in his offensive line right now. That's just not the case. Now, now John, I want to get to a controversial tweet that you might have seen and it's Joe Burrow and he's holding his, he's holding his headset and he just had some water and he spits out and he yells to the sideline. He says, I think he says no segue or he says no setback. And no then empty. some people were saying it's go segue or go setback. The segue for the viewers. Well, here. No segue. So a segue. Where is, did you get segue? No empty set. A segue is a. Well, here. No empty set. Saying, I don't want to be scooted around. I don't want my knees to break again. I don't want to have to ride a segue. A segue is like an electric scooter. John. What does he mean by that? Why is it so mysterious, John? Why, why do you have me on this show? Like, well, like, what, what am I answering here? We just clearly heard him say no empty set because they were in cover zero. The defense was so. Why, if <laughs> if you're if you got man across the board and probably five blitzers, like, n- next question, what are we doing? No, what, what's why? What? There's is no he... segue, man. What are we doing? <laughs> empty set. Empty set. They're zero and two. You're making jokes. Sorry, sorry. It's not a time to be funny. No, but seriously. So no empty set. He means by that, what? Are we this no, desperate for content? What nobody, nobody 
he he he's complaining. It sounds like a complaint. It sounds like he's he's stuck. He's he's struggling. Oh, so you're projecting him yelling at his coach as like tension arising in the locker room. John, it's not. Look, John. He doesn't look happy. Can you read again, Daddy? He does not look happy, John. Maybe. No, that's not about. He 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 has realized while he liked the empty sets originally, John, right? He liked the idea originally. With this offensive line and this kind of protection and these kind of schemes, the routes that they're running, he knows it's not working anymore. He was six for six for 76 yards on empty sets. You know why? Because against empty sets, the ball typically gets out quicker. When the ball gets out quicker, your offensive line is not tasked to do much or block for very long. You have routes designed to get open very quickly. He was fine there, but you can't do it every single down because, like you said, the offensive line can't be trusted in just one-on-one -on -one situations right now. Okay, so what happens after he says that? Do they do one or not? They had to call timeout. Uh, it was like on the third down. I don't think they were able and to get And then they, they had Mixon blocking. Yeah. And then I think he got sacked, and then they kicked the field well, goal. Right? I don't know what Mixon was doing on that play because he ran into his own left tackle looking the opposite side of the formation. And then you had four routes down the field. Two of them came open. And maybe if Burrow wasn't, I guess, rattled at this point, he could step up into the pocket and make a throw. But he was, again, third and four. You have man coverage down the field. You have space potentially for him to run and make a play with his legs. But then the pocket kind of collapsed in, inside of him. Because right now, left side of the offensive line, like they're, I, I think they're clearly taking advantage of the fact that Cordell Volson is not going to give Jonah Williams help uh, whenever a rusher goes inside on Williams. So Williams is taking his guy to the inside, and then you have a stunt action on Volson, who's now going to the outside. So the entire integrity of the pocket on the left side of the offensive line right now is in disarray. He's one-on-one. -on -one. He doesn't even... No, yeah. no, play the clip. Play the clip. Play the clip. Yeah, so this is, this is about... Sorry. This is... I forgot that that mutes everybody. But this is the Jonah Williams giving up the sack to Micah Parsons. Right, John? Be one-on-one. -on -one. He doesn't even feel like anyone's there. And this time, he goes up and under. Now he just goes right around... And Williams, you really don't have a chance. I mean, this guy is on pace. Well, yeah. that time, yeah, that time Parsons went, went around him. So. That almost looked like it was going to be a fumble. Jonas is not doing well right now. And I don't think Volson in, in a vacuum is playing bad necessarily, but Williams has been really disappointed along with Lel Collins, who so, in an environment where he should have had a, a revenge game, he looked like a castaway. Like so, he did so, not look good. Yeah, Lael has, has been a disappointment, obviously. But... Also, John, the let's admit it. I, I mean, we're not getting the best play calls on the line. So, like this one. I want to block that guy. Not w good. What's what was wrong with the play there? I I don't. Clearly, he was supposed to be blocked, and he wasn't. He down blocked the I think the tackle there, and he left Michael Parsons in a two point stance on the edge, wide open. So it sounds yeah. like a performance issue more than a play calling issue. Well, I mean, those well, issues shouldn't exist. Coordination, right, John? I mean, it's communication. It's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I, look, when I'm watching these games, I personally look at it very differently from both of you. I see it as a def as a deficiency of talent in the yeah. in the offensive line. Period. No, I mean, there's John. There's offensive lines that have the same amount of talent that they're or playing worse. better than this. Yeah, yeah. like the, like like the uh, with the Lions, right? The Lions, John? I think the Lions have a talented offensive line, but like people always talk about continuity with that unit, and they don't have any right now. Like It's the second game that all these guys are playing together. You have four new starters going back to last year. That's why I think it, it, even their bad offensive line from last year, it's, it's outperforming 
and, and to some extent the offense line this year just because they got to know each other as the year went on and they just understood each other's strengths and weaknesses and they're able to at least grind out performances that gave the offense a chance and I know it's not just the offensive line right now it's going to be Burrow holding on to the football letting these plays develop because he's still struggling to face some of these coverages and that needs to get ironed out too but the offensive line is it's just losing reps that it shouldn't with guys this good so the real question then is any formula you come up for failure must also explain success why is it the case that things start to work in quarter three and then really start to work in quarter four. So that's my question, Hoji. And I was thinking about this. I had to get an MRI this morning and oh my I was, gosh. I'm fine. Um, but I was thinking about this while I was sitting in there because, you know, you just, you lay there and it sounds like a jackhammer. And here we're a learning organization, right? Um, and that we don't learn. Um, so we're a lack of learning organization, but I think the Bengals could be a learning organization. And one of the things I'm really, really interested in, so Lou Anarumo and his unit have an innate ability to make the quarter three and four adjustment, right? We, they did it against the Chiefs twice. They, they've done it multiple times to have those second half comebacks. I want to know, what is it about Lou, about the defense that enables them to, whether it's going in at halftime or, you know, what they're doing at the end of the second quarter to say, okay, here's what we're seeing. Here's how we're going to adjust. They held the Cowboys to just three points in the second half, that game-winning field goal at the end. What is it about the offense that doesn't enable them to do that? And what could they learn? I feel like there's like a bright spot analysis this team could do looking at the defense and figuring out what they could translate to the offense. I know we said earlier it wasn't just adjustments. Matilda totally agrees. But I, I do think there's offensive adjustments that could be made and that that team has the ability to do that, how could they leverage that from the personnel they already have? Because I think it's there and they need to just utilize it. So I have a, I have a wild theory in response, Bridget. And, and John can tell us probably blow it out of the water when I'm done saying it. So uh, 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 Joe Burrow is not a coach. And so when they're preparing for games and watching the films, He's, he, he's in a passive role. He's listening to what he wants to do. He has some feedback that he gives. But, he's, but then when they actually play the games and they see what's going on, come halftime, they're stuck, they're losing. They start to listen to Joe Burrow because he's there on the field. And Joe Burrow starts to give them more insights about, okay, this is what we're going to do in the second half. Boom, everything starts to look better. And I, I, I know that sounds crazy, but I really think that what, what you're seeing in the first half is – the coaching staff making a lot of decisions, and what you're seeing in the second half is Joe Burrow making a lot of decisions, and that's where the improvement comes from. I would say something close. I would say when we're behind, and it's not just Joe Burrow. I've seen it with a lot of good quarterbacks. When they are, you know, it's almost like a no huddle, or it's kind of like a, they can get into a rhythm, and they just kind of go with what they're feeling in the moment, and they take more of the offense into their own hands, and, the, you know, you're playing from behind, so you tend to throw the ball more, you get a couple of completions, and you get in that groove. Where I feel like, I feel like, here's the thing. The last year, Joe Burrow took 70 sacks. 
everybody in the org, and he just lost an appendix. And everybody's worried about him getting hit more and more. And, Wait a minute. I don't think yeah. the appendix was related to the sacks. Well, he, he's, I think he, it, John, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he could be more vulnerable to some sort of bad injury, right? Because of the appendix. I mean, no. I'm sure he had like a stitches in his stuff, right? I mean, I they use know. laser now. It's not, I don't, they, yeah. don't really, they don't really cut with a machete and stuff. Anyways, here's the thing. I feel like they are trying to, you know, think of solutions in, in, in terms of try to avoid Joe, Joe Burrow getting hit. And John, we talk about the play calling. A lot of people have a problem with the fact that we go run, run, pass most of the time. So I get how you want to mitigate the pass rush by running the ball a lot. But why in such a predictable fashion? You know, why go run, run, pass, run, run, pass? What would you do? Pass, pass, run? Well, they don't, I mean, I don't think it's, it's not Bob Gratkowski offense out there. It's not just first down, second down, run, run, third down, pass. Like, it's not necessarily been that. A lot of times it was. Most of the time it looks like that. But it feels like in the second half when they were in the groove, it was less of that. That's what I'm saying because no. there's less a structure. There's more, you know, you're less in your own head. It's more instinctual. Again, they ran the ball five times in the first half. Five times. They weren't always three and out on, on offense there. Like, clearly their biggest issues involve pass protection in that sense. And I, I don't know. Like, what was the other part of the question? <laughs> kind of lost me. Yeah, Daddy, I got to say, your theory kind of went over my head as well. I'm wondering if we can go back to my theory about Joe Burrow making more decisions in the second half. Because I feel like that was a more interesting theory. Yeah, John. Yeah. John. Okay, I, I, I'm going to take a break from talking. Let's uh, talk, talk about the Jets. John, let's, John's let's move to. on. Let's do. Let's move on, and let's talk about the Jets game. Are John. you sure? Yeah. I just said I'm taking a break. You guys talk. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's let's talk the about the Jets. The Jets. Look, the Jets are from New York. Nobody knows why they're called the Jets and why they're green. Go. Two, two, three weeks ago, if we said, "Oh, the Jets are coming," up, everybody said, "Oh, that's an easy win." Last week they said the Cowboys easy win. The problem with the Bengals is that they're just not in sync right now. No. It's not that they lack talent. The team, the offense especially. They're in sync, is the word. Yeah. yeah. And when that is the case, anything can happen. Yeah. You know, any team that, and the thing is people are coming for us this year. Oh, you yeah. Know, they they're are, hungry. Yeah. They're like, oh, you guys think you're so special now? Okay. Yeah. We're going to show you. You know, we're going to put you back in your place. Yeah. So now we face a very interesting New York Jets team. John, that is coached by Robert Saleh, and he's known for being a defensive coach. And I think in the first, you know, I think I think it was against the uh, the Browns. Uh, I think the first week they lost against the Ravens, but they did pretty good against the pass, I believe, against the run, I believe. And the last week they gave up a lot of points, a lot of rushing yards early, but they just kind of kept clawing back. And, and it was kind of like... I, I, I feel like, Daddy, you're making it way too complicated. There's yeah. only one question you need to ask with any team that the Bengals play. How is the pass rush? I don't, if I don't, strong... I don't know, John. I mean, if John, strong, look, if Cooper Rush didn't suck. have a good game, we couldn't have won that game. You know, Cooper Rush also had a good game. You know? There is no know. secondary they can beat receivers. Cooper Rush made some good throws, but I feel like yeah. at the end he was barely better than what Burrow was. Wait. Joe Burrow is the greatest. I, Hold on. Uh, Cooper Rush had confidence? Yes. 
and just he, Cooper Rush was just like, here I am. I'm going to throw some dimes on third downs. Their third down conversion percentage, I didn't look up the stats, but in the first half, I mean, I feel like the Cowboys were converting just about. I think ours about, was better, right, John? We had a in the first half? No, overall, we had a better. No, I'm talking about just the first half, not overall, because then it started to we started to convert more. They started to have to punt more, but Cooper rush just seemed like, what do I have to lose? And I feel like Joe Burrow seems spooked a little. I, I mean, seems shook. And you got, I mean, you got guys coming after you. You've been sacked 13 times now in two games. The closest other team I think is, the Saints, Jameis Winston, maybe has been sacked ten times. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. Let us, John. Let us just real quick. Let's talk about the psychology of this. So they say getting hit by a defensive lineman by one of these guys is like a car accident, right? And I mean, I'm a bad parker, so technically I get in car accidents every day. But they are talking about the more violent kind they, of car. No, accidents. they're talking about the people you hit. Not right. you, not the effect right. that it has on you, but when you hit people with your car, that's what I it's see. like. So, John, the point is Joe Burrow was sacked 70 times, hit probably another, what, 30, 40, 50 times, right, last year, you know? And uh, his rookie year, he was getting beaten up. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the way his knee was shredded was horrific, you know? Yes. And so we always admire Joe Burrow because – he seemed to be immune to that. So against the Titans in the playoffs, nine sacks is like he just throw, brushes it off and throws some clutch, you know, conversions, and we win the game. And we just that's just Joe Burrow, right? Um, and then in the Rams game, people are like, oh, he's not quite Joe Burrow. He's not quite this. Well, the defensive, you know, the pass rush was at a different level, you know. But at the same time, maybe – the coaching staff and him, they, they're, again, they're just, they're, just, they're just worried about him getting hit because, you know, his body will fall apart eventually. I mean, what will be the next organ to go after the appendix, John? I don't know the order, but I, yeah, I, don't, I, think I don't know if they are worried about him getting hit. Like, I don't think Burrow has continued to be the guy that's like football is about taking on contact you get a, a certain feel for the game when you know you kind of get roughed up a little bit now obviously this is a problem for the long term more than just looking at next week um, if he does take too many hits over the course of his career stuff could happen and he might not be able to play anymore or maybe his entire mentality is changed but just from a short-term perspective I don't think that two weeks of getting sacked a ton does anything to burrow that the last 30 games of his career had already done like he's already been sacked and hit a ton of times and he's not a guy to shy away from those hits and like that now there were instances in the game where at least we could see from the broadcast angle where it did seem like he abandoned on some pockets that he probably shouldn't have because he was kind of anticipating contact be coming from his blind side or he just tried to bail out as soon as possible to not take another negative play. It's the negative plays right now, regardless of the sacks that are really putting this offense in a bind and really making it hard for them to just execute what they want to execute. And I think to Bridget's earlier point about just how 
they haven't been able to get off to a hot start and how they've had to wait to the second half to make adjustments. Through two weeks now, you've had a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that went out with a lot more cover two and Tampa two looks when they were primarily like a cover one or cover three defense last year. And then you just had Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, say that they weren't expecting Micah Parsons to be rushing off the edge and less from an off-ball linebacker position compared to where he was last year. So they've ran into two really pretty talented defenses doing different things that they had done in the past and where that's where they had most of their preparations lined up for which is naturally just an early in the season type of situation but also like you said like these are things that you should probably be able to you know diagnose a little bit quicker so you don't end up in this giant hole yeah i mean john i just want to look at i mean you know he's he's like we said he's still joe burrow and, and let's just look at a couple of clips here here's burrow looking for a second option sliding sliding Signals, throws. So, that's, know, that's a equally a great catch and a great throw. I mean, the thing to me is, John, is that when he's locked in, when he feels like it's his time, you know, he comes alive. So, how do you unlock that? How do you, as a coach, yeah. You know, I'm not a coach, be man. I don't Joe have Burrow's these answers. No, he's Offense. getting into, I get it. The way that you you're getting into alternative psychology. Let the offenses be Peyton Manning's offense. You see what I mean? Like, Peyton Manning had a lot of coaches, but there was always a Peyton Manning offense. How do you do that with the Joe Burrow? I guess you just give him the, all the responsibilities if you want to. Like, can you, uh, yeah, can you I don't him? know if he's mature enough for that. I love him, but. I mean, it's it's hard to say if Joe Burrow is ready for that. To his position. point, like I can't think of like one offensive mastermind who had ever worked with Peyton Manning necessarily. Like right. Brian Callahan was like he was a good quarterbacks coach at the time, but I mean, I mean they gave Adam Gase all that credit, you know. It wasn't it was never Adam Gase. I but know, like, but I mean, was, he got like that four was Peyton jobs Manning in his fifteenth year. Like we don't right. know. I I couldn't tell you what the two thousand and two Colts offense was when Peyton Manning was in his third year in the league. Right. Exactly. You know, I never realized how smart Peyton Manning is. I didn't say Dadio because I made that point. No, I never realized how smart Peyton Manning is until he did that show with his little brother, Eli. And they were analyzing, I think it was a Joe Burrow play. And it was amazing. I mean, the amount of depth, the little things that he was looking at. I realized that if Peyton Manning wanted to be a QB coach or a head coach, he'd be amazing. Now, Let, yeah. is that true for Burrow? We don't know. Yes. The kid is like 20. Okay. I mean, he's in his 20s. Yeah. And the guy's just trying to stay alive out there. Yeah. I, you, you're saying make him a Peyton Manning. I just don't want him to be a, an Andrew Luck. Here's the thing. I want to talk about the Jets game, John. And There's I not talk much about to say about the Jets game. Well, How's the pass uh, rush on the oh, Jets? Gee, I did look. I know why they're called the Jets. Oh, yeah? Because it rhymes with the Mets. One Ooh, of the owners, they were so sharing lame. a state. I know. I mean, it fits, though, right? And why the, green? Jets because the owners... At the the owner at the time, whoever bought it, changed the name to the Jets because they were playing at the same stadium as the Mets. His birthday um, was St. Patrick's Day. Oh wow, John! So, so I want to ask you, I want to yeah, ask you, you about how afraid we should be of the Jets, and I want to show you a couple of clips, and you tell me what you see. Jets offensive line holding up well there. Flacco wide open. It's Davis. Davis. Wow. Walt Wide open. See some bad defense, what I just saw. And yeah, I mean, that, that's a Flacco over the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. So misread. That, that was a misread. That is a Browns defense that's talented and a team that is trying to be in playoff position for when they get their quarterback back. 
and they gave up you know, a two-touchdown lead with like a minute and a half left to Joe Flacco. And I feel like, John, I feel like Flacco has won over that locker room and the coach with his leadership. And I feel like the, you know, our defense is great, but we will have to put up points because they are not going to be afraid of us. Nor should they be. <laughs> yeah. Not with what we've shown. I, I'm just I'm curious what the Jets' defense is right now because, again, they're another team that I think at their core they wanted to run more single-high things. That's why they invested in Sauce Gardner, the cornerback out of UC, because he's that cornerback that you can leave on an island and take away like a third of, of the field when you're in a single-high defense. So if that's the case, then this is an opportunity for the Bengals to have a bounce-back performance because they're going up against a defense where they, you know, they can just take advantage of. But if the Jets have any ounce of brain power, they can just they would know what defense to run right now until the Bengals prove that they can stop it. And unfortunately, I think the Jets' defensive line is pretty damn talented. To pretty stop, damn talented. Yeah, like to stop the Bengals' run, run game. Unless the Bengals just fully commit to this inside zone and these gap schemes and these concepts that they clearly are better at running compared to wide zone. Like they're, they're going to be stuck in a situation where they're going to re- rely on their passing game to just iron itself out against a defense that can rush the passer. So I don't know. It's, it's not looking great. I mean, the yeah. problem that we have. Yeah. That was me. That was my ESPN stats. The problem that we have is, from what I understand, and I don't know a lot about the Jets, but I believe that their pass rush is is way stronger than, you know, their defense against the running game. They invested a lot in the pass rush, and that's not a good thing for us. I mean, I don't think this is the comeback game, personally. I don't see how it would be the comeback game, personally. Well, they just need to turn the ball over. They they need Flacco to just air it out there and have you know, defensive backs make plays. Um, I, I don't think the Browns' defense is necessarily great right now. It seems like they're the equivalent of the Bengals' offense, just a lot of talent and not a lot of output. So maybe that, that four-touchdown performance might be a fluke, but Flacco can still sling it, so there's chances where the, you know he can break the Bengals' defense out for long gains, but they, they need to give their offense as many chances as possible to just correct itself. Yeah. Are the Jets playing Uzama at all? He's going to be a game time decision I think he's hurt right now oh I didn't know he got injured yeah yeah because I feel like there's a little bit of that too I don't know if that energy they come in kind of wanting to remind CJ who's boss but I don't know I feel like we need to win a game more than to remind people it'd be nice you're just on fire today I think you remind people by winning. Yeah. I think that was my point. Yeah. Well, John, thank you for joining us and for the conversation. Very insightful. Was John our guest today? Well, he talked most of the time. He talked I a feel lot. like a guest most of the time. <laughs> yeah. That's, we treat him with respect. We're very hospitable. Well, not in those ways. We don't charge him for his snacks. So no, no hojoscope today then? I'm I supposed to come to John's house to eat the snacks on that new sofa. Okay. Yes, we do have a hojoscope. You sure? I can Very do it next one. week if you don't want. But I, I no, might we well. do. Now, so, okay. Yeah. Play this video because my hojoscope today is about compassion. Uh, and Daddyo, if you would, play the...
Now, I, I, I don't know if you guys could see what was going on there, but me and my friends, I'm, I'm holding the camera. We were mourning the animal lives that had to be lost in making all that, you know, dead carcass for, for everyone to eat and to enjoy. And my, my only point here tonight is about compassion. A lot of you Bengals fans out there, uh, and, and I'm not, not looking at you, Bridget, I'm not, not looking at you, John, but I'm looking at a lot of those haters out there who overreact at the loss and forget that the same Zach Taylor that you're, you're saying off with his head, put him in the meat section, and the same Joe Burrow that you're saying is no better than Andy Dalton, these are the same people who brought you hours of joy last year, made you hold your head high, and, and took you all the way to the Super Bowl. These are the same people. It's a lack of compassion, a lack of empathy. And I think you have to ask yourself the question, why do you want to win so badly? What is it about winning that means so much to you? Is it the same animalistic drive that makes you want to kill animals and eat them? Is it the same as when you say, oh, I'm just like anybody else. I eat my friends one leg at a time. Think about that. That is my hojascope. Man, those look tasty. <laughs> I do appreciate, Hoji, though, the overreactions. I mean, it's two weeks. We all know three data points make a trend. So we're certainly seeing things that need to be fixed. We can call it out. I don't think, like I said, week one isn't a referendum. I don't think week two is a referendum. I think there's definitely predictability in the offense that opposing teams' defenses are seeing. That needs to get tightened up. Joe Burrow needs to get sacked less. That needs to be tightened up. I don't think that, like I said last week, I don't think that blame falls on any one person. Burrow's holding the ball a little long. Some of these sacks are coverage sacks. Some of these sacks are him not getting the ball out. And some of these sacks are O-line breakdown. So I think yeah, there are things I, we, can in, we can improve. So I, I just, don't think the doomsdaying and the off with their heads is quite right yet. No, I just, the whole Joe Burrow holds the ball too long. He doesn't make the easy reads. I don't accept that criticism. That's what it looks like. But as I said, the offense is out of sync. An offense out of sync is when, when you see, I've said this before, John, and I, I believe there are analytics that back it up. When you have a bad quarterback, a lot of people are like, oh, but his receivers have a higher dropped pass percent, you know, dropped reception rate as well. That is also on the bad quarterback because he's gotten them out of sync. That's what I believe. I believe that when you're out of sync, you're not in the flow, everything becomes more difficult. And this offense is out of sync because the pass protection was bad for so long and it hasn't taken a step forward, but they're trying to pretend that the problem isn't there. They're trying to work around it. And, you know, it's both the play calling and the offensive line coaching. And, and Joe Burrow, there are times where he does have protection. There are times where there's an easy five-yard route or whatever. Yeah, and, and, that just being said, in, yeah. yeah. and that being said, Dadio, Joe Burrow is not Kyler Murray. He's not going to be, not with the knees he has. I watched Kyler Murray, and that, that guy. He has knees. I mean, yeah. He, he can avoid, the, he, he, can, he, he doesn't need, need a great offensive line. He can avoid a lot of things. I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that Joe Burrow is the kind of quarterback that's going to need more protection than others because of his style of play. No. Because he likes to hold the ball, no, because actually, he likes to sit back and look no. at the opportunities. John, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow did not have a great offensive line at LSU. 
right, John? I mean, by college standards. And he's a kid. Yeah, but I, I think, John, now. again, I think it's the flow. I think it's Joe Burrow needs to know he can trust his offensive line if he wants to roll left, if he wants to roll right. He can move around in the pocket. He just needs to know that there's going to be competence there, right? Like that one where Micah Parsons went unblocked. That shouldn't have happened. Yes, if Micah Parsons gets to you in two seconds, okay. But if he gets to you in half a second, that throws you off your game. You know what I hate about when the show runs long? Is that if Daddy talks just long enough, he'll say something that makes sense. I'm really disappointed <sighs> in that. No, yeah, Daddy is right. It happened. <laughs> yeah. So with that, do we Hold on, hold that? on. I want to hear what John has to say. No, 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 no. We I can't. S- the show must know. end now because you have said something that well, makes sense. Does anyone want to make... The circle is complete. Someone in the, the comments said Bengals beat the Jets by three touchdowns. Yeah, let's make predictions. Never. Go ahead, Bridget. Bengals go. don't beat anybody by three I, touchdowns. None That's of my predictions have been right. Um, I feel like I'm like, I, I've got the John curse. Uh, and every time now, this this year, I've said the Bengals are going to win, we lose. So I don't know if I should no, say this, we lose. What, what curse? Was it a curse? I thought you Your said curse last, that you had last I thought, year. Remember? Yeah, the last. You every cursed time, the Super Bowl, remember? You well, cursed I don't the Super Bowl. That. You said it on a show a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you, you I did. got a short memory. <laughs> you predicted every playoff John, game to I've, be a, I believe, a loss look, and they won. Then you the curse the has been reset, John. I believe it may be that if you predict them to win, you will speak it into existence and they will win. Okay. All right, they win. Why doesn't everybody just say what they actually think What's is going to happen? Why doesn't everybody say what's actually going to happen? Yeah, go. Oh, I hate this. It's so it's like icebreakers in like college. Like, oh, who, who's your favorite player? John also. was very fun at parties, by the way. <laughs> go ahead. John, your your hat says just do it, but your eyes say just don't. <laughs> yeah, my eyes are right. So, I predict the Bengals' loss. I think it's going to be pretty close, but not as close as our other losses. But that's okay. I still don't think the season is done even after a 0-3 and three start. I think that's when the Bengals are going to pick up. Remember, you can still make it to the playoffs with three losses. I, and okay. I think that's because of the, the, the powerful well, uh, uh, pass rush of the Jets. I think Next. I agree with Hoji. I don't know that we turn it around this week. And I don't, I don't think that's a, like, like Hoji said, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think the Jets get, get the W. There is something to be said about when optimism is at an all-time low with this team. They somehow manage to just pick it right back up and just give you false hope. So maybe that maybe that unexplainable phenomenon rears its head this week. I'll go with the win. Thank you, John. Yeah, they're going to win. I'll tell you why they're going to win. Joe Burrow, we talk a lot about how, you know, oh, don't upset Joe Burrow. You know, what's that guy's name? Uh, the Ravens guy, Wink, Martindale or whatever. And uh, the guy in LSU who has spit on him and the, all that were like, oh, you got Joe Burrow upset. I feel like some of that is a little mythical. But what I do know about Joe Burrow is that he, deep in his heart, believes that he has the potential to be the greatest quarterback ever. Okay, can I say and something? And the reason, yeah. Can I say something really strange? Well, yeah. And I don't want to jinx anybody, but I think there's a possibility that Joe Burrow doesn't play a few games because of a minor injury that's going to happen to his thumb. And you're going to ask me how I know, and that's because of the mind-body connection. Most injuries are not of the body. They are an effect of the mind and the soul on the body. And right. I believe that Joe Burrow is hurting, and his conversations with Cowherd are not helping. And yeah. I believe that what's going to happen is that he's going to have a minor injury, minor. Well, let me, let me just finish this because I feel like John wants to go. 
<laughs> I believe that Joe Burrow's confidence is what gets him out of this rut. Not the coaching changes, not the schematic, none of that. I feel like he just says to himself, you know what, Joe, you're better than this. Go do what you can do. And he starts getting in the groove on his own. He finds a way to motivate himself, get in the groove. Yes, he has his first multi-touchdown game. No. Well, I mean, he had two of the first, but he's going to have three or four touchdowns against not the yet. Jets. Jets are not going to be able to catch up. He, he knows to expect terrible offensive line blocking this time, like he did in the playoffs, but he worked around it. He's going to go back to me. It's been, look, he's been John. How many? Six weeks removed from the appendix surgery now? It's finally, he's, he's finally going to... Appendix surgery has nothing to do it's with like anything you've seen this out. season. It's a minor surgery that he was over yeah. way before he okay, started. Okay, that's playing. all I got. And let's just say if you can share this podcast get joe yes. burrow to watch it he, get him on the he, show he wants to hear matilda came on specifically she knew joe burrow is a cat guy and she's like i'm gonna do my part so i'm a cat guy too subscribe john's I'm definitely a cat i love guy. you more than cowherd joe burrow yeah turn on the notifications tell your friends about us we're the one bingo's podcast we're and on predictions about the jet games in the comments right and tell and us why uh, any of us are wrong or why I'm right. And cheer up, John, in the comments. Yeah. That's all we got. So long, sweetie. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.